0: You're an actor on Hacks, you're nominated for an Emmy, you're a stand-up comedian, you're a writer. How do you describe yourself when people ask you what it is you you do and you are professionally?
1: Um, I would say I'm a lucky comedian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the voice of Hannah Einbinder. Comedian and actor, uh, one of the stars of Hacks on HBO. Uh, she actually got, got nominated for an Emmy. She's our guest today. Such a good episode. A couple things before we start. We're turning the corner into 22. I've got really exciting tour dates. If you're anywhere near Northern California, come see me at Berkeley Repertory Theater. I'm there for three weeks in January. Three weeks. And I'm I'm similarly doing three or four weeks in Chicago at Steppenwolf Theater, which is just a dream come true. Uh, I'll also be in Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, Charlotte, Asheville, Durham, Indianapolis, Dallas, Los Angeles, London, Paris, as well as Iceland, because why not? Why not go to a place where you've dreamed of going your whole life? <laughs> That's why I'm going to Iceland. I just, I've, I've read so much about Iceland over the years. I've seen so many films that have Iceland featured. I've just always wanted to go, so I'm going. Uh, if you're anywhere near there, uh, come check that out. And enjoy my conversation with the great Hannah Einbinder. Hannah Einbinder. Did you audition
1: for hacks? I did, yeah.
0: How when you auditioned for it, how much, how much of it of the character were you like, that's just like me? And how much of it were you like, I'm just gonna do the Hannah Einbinder spin? And if they like it, they like it.
1: <laughs> um you know, it felt uh In the audition sides, there is a joke that Ava makes about killing herself on Watch What Happens Live, and I was like, okay, that okay, sister, that's home for me. Okay, I feel you, girlfriend. Um, So I was like, oh, this is a friend of mine. Like, it may not be me exactly, but it's a close friend of mine. Sure. And you know, I I felt locked into her. Like I was like feeling. I, I was writing jokes for her. I was getting into her head. Oh, that's cool. And in the original audition, I did, like, improvise a line. And I I think that's one of the reasons they maybe brought me back. Um,
0: I feel like I've acted and I've directed, and so I've seen sort of both sides of the casting process. And, like, I think that what actors don't realize sometimes, if they haven't been on the other side, is that the best chance you have of being cast in something is doing your variation on that thing.
1: Yeah, Because
0: there's an actor who fits every type in the whole goddamn world.
1: 100%. 100%. I tell every stand-up comedian, like, do not, like, truly don't go into an audition doing anything other than as close to you as possible. Because that's what you've honed every single night on stage.
0: I want to say you made your stand-up comedy debut on Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and it's far out. Like, it's a very conceptual bit, and you do, like, a old-timey vocal character, you know, a old-timey voice character and all this stuff. And it's like, I remember watching it and just thinking, like, like this comedian is not only funny, but is really um, uh, brave to just try a completely different thing.
1: Oh. Well, thank you. I feel that it's because I am not good enough to do... Like uh, to take a more traditional approach. Like there are so many people who do it so well, like traditionally and conversationally, that I feel like I I couldn't, you know, hold up almost in that in that zone. So like I almost feel like I have to go outside the box in order to do to be good. That's an
0: answer. <laughs> That's a certain type of evasion. Of a compliment that you're oh, gonna have to work on. Me. Okay, because I am
1: they're pumping hundreds of billions of dollars into this defense system, baby. I will shoot them down. Yeah, this is
0: a very um evasive tactic where in I think you accepted only thirteen percent of the compliment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's an all-time high, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. You, how much do I owe you?
0: If you're <laughs> this truly, if if this is if, if you're this truly self-deprecating,
1: <laughs>
0: how do you get on stage? Where do you where do you find it?
1: <sighs> how do I get it? You know, um, the truly what it is is me um, risking rejection for a chance at validation. For the chance that I will be externally approved of, um, and and I suppose uh, given laughter that I can <laughs> sort of convert into love. Um, yes, of course. So it's it's like that need for that. It's like not being able to give it to myself fully. Um, Is
0: that machine below your ribs? Is that where that's located? The convert <laughs> the converter. <laughs> Into love. You don't
1: want to know. You <laughs> don't want to know where that's at. It's <laughs> pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, yeah, it's, it's right down there. It, uh, yeah, that, I feel like that's kind of the, the thing. Like I also love comedy so much. Um, and I, I love talking about it and I love experiencing it. I love going to shows and watching my friends and, seeing new people and I love participating in it, you know, so like, that's, that's what got me involved. And so, you know, loving it and, and just obsessing over these various albums from various comedians, you know, when I first started to get into it on my own, like getting that education, I think, you know, just, just made me want to be around it and be in it. Forever.
0: It's funny you should say uh, the albums, because I'm the same way. I don't watch comedy specials as much as I listen mm-hmm. to the albums, because I think that it's all in the audio, even mm-hmm. if it's a little visual. Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was starting out, I was driving around the country listening in my car to these Steve Mar- old Steve Martin albums, and there's tons of stuff that's physical on them, and you kind of get it.
1: 100%. 100%. Um I mean, you can even hear in, I want to say it's, I think it's Let's Get Small, but there is a, a point where he, like, falls with the banjo and you can hear the banjo, like, <laughs> yeah, bum, bum, you hear bum, bum, very quick. Yeah, yeah. Cli- yeah, you get that. Yeah. Um, you know, you would think you need to see it, but you see it through the audio.
0: Yeah. Are you someone who primarily develops w- your work in isolation, your writing for for the stage, or do you improvise a lot on stage?
1: Um, traditionally, I have completely, uh, kept everything to my bedroom. Like, always only writing in isolation. But, um, as I have gotten more comfortable on stage and felt like, like, every, you know, I've I've kind of released the idea that, like, every performance is so high stakes. Yes. Um, I've kind of let go of that. Um, I have been more prone to improvisation and various, like, loose, going up with loose ideas, which, like, for the longest time was impossible to me. It was, my act was truly a script. There was not a word, not a comma out of place. Um, And it's been really nice. It's felt uh, very pure. It's felt, like, close to the source um, to do that. And to not even, you know, everything is written down because I have trouble, you know, I have pretty tough, uh, I have issues with memory. Um, so I'm not really someone who can be like, oh, I vaguely know, you know, this whole new bit and I'll just pop up there and hit these points. Like, it's so hard for me. I'll just totally black out. I had that.
0: I, I, I'm the same way. Like, I, I, when I started out, it was like all... Like these really long form bits, and I would memorize them and go up and just do the best I can and that kind of thing. And I remember I mm-hmm. I met Jim Gaffigan. This is like the late '90s, and he goes, he goes, "Do you improv on stage?" And I just thought, I remember thinking like, no, like why would I ever improvise on stage? Who would do that? And of course he does, and and he develops a lot of stuff on stage. And then and then over the years, I've sort of come around to the idea of it. There is something sort of magical in the room mm-hmm. when you do feel like that person on stage is like, is flying without a net.
1: Yep. You have to get to a joke that way. <laughs> yes, exactly. You better. You better fucking make something yeah, out yeah. of this. Um, it, it feels that way. I mean, sometimes I'm I'm doing crowd work and I just realize I'm having a conversation and I'm like, fuck, shit, fuck, I gotta, oh my God, I know. you know get there uh you know when you do crowd work to someone who's just pleasant and level-headed and you're like well okay uh this is kind of dependent on you being an eccentric weirdo but that's right (laughs) um like i gotta make something out of this
0: yeah it's like we have purchased tickets and we would like there (laughs) to be a joke at the end of this tension (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And
0: then sometimes you see comedians where it's like, oh, it's all
1: tension. Yeah. <laughs> totally.
0: There's no It's a nice
1: way to spin it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Do you at what point have like because I know there's a pretty uh sort of solid through line typically in your shows, like, um, when it comes to crowd work, like at what point in your journey did you start taking time to do that? Or is it all different every time, spontaneous? Or?
0: Honestly, it was like 10 years in and it was coinc. It was accidental. It was like this yeah. thing where I was doing it for so long and then I would be... Like it was the kind of thing where I was booked to do shows where they're asking me to do more time than I have material for. <laughs>
1: What's that like?
0: <laughs> so, like, they'd book me at a college, University of Wisconsin, Stout, or whatever. And it would be like, we'd like you to perform for 90 minutes. And I'd be like, oh, 90 minutes, you say. I, uh, it's funny you should mention that because that's because yeah, I have the- to pay rent. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. See you there. Um, and of course, I didn't have the material for it. And I would just go, okay, well, you know, and then I'd pick up the school paper. And then I would riff on that for twenty five <laughs> minutes. And of course, by the way, the best you know, the the most well received stuff in the show,
1: of course, is the
0: school paper. I mean, everyone wants to just hear about themselves. And then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, just like yeah, just crowd work. And then I always was uncomfortable with the idea of. Um, where you know where are you from? What do you do for a living? And so I would just try mm-hmm. to make things more specific. Like, and thank God for jokes that go like, "Has anyone ever been arrested?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, well, those are good stories. <laughs> yeah. Those tend to be like more unique, but um, but yeah, I think there's a certain point at which with uh, with crowd work, I think there the audience gives you a lot more uh uh room for the jokes to be not as well conceived as as written jokes.
1: 100%. Because it's, you know, it's like a miracle. Like, it's, it is the, like, it feels pure. Like, I feel like I keep saying that, but it does feel like a pure, the purest expression of, of the one guy slash person slash woman on stage um, just making something out of nothing. Like, there is this, yeah, I mean, there is this idea that stand-up is, like, uh, sometimes passed off as being, you know, conversational in its form. Like, comedians on stage are just like, you know what I know? You know, it's very, like, uh, the, the it's, like, this intentional conversationality. And crowd work is the only time where that's that's actually uh, true.
0: Yes. Oh, you know what you have with the... Ha- it, it seems like what you have... One of the things you have with Hex is, like, a genuine camaraderie in the cast. And, mm-hmm. like, it seems like you actually like each other. And I feel like that's, like, a magical uh, concoction that only happens sometimes. Yeah. And why do you think it happened with your show?
1: You know, um, I I have, like, it's so weird because I, I, I came into probably the most... Uh, ideal working environment that exists in Hollywood from where I sit, which is like mostly women and queer people and an amazing show that is both deeply funny and sincere and, you know, an amazing crew. Just everyone is so talented and everyone is so funny. Everybody on our set is deeply funny, every person who worked on it. And... And like you said, a, a, a cohesive group that loves each other and gets along. And I, I, I mean, I have to attribute it to the fact that we all, we are all tied together by various like, various um, elements of our identities, and so we have so much in common. And also, like, they cast the show based on truly when they got Gene, who is like, the most magnificent person and also a huge star, like, they were like, okay, well, who had the best audition? Like, who is just, like, awesome and good and it has nothing to do with, like, the amount of Instagram followers they have (laughs) or, like, past credits? Like, we're not looking for a cast that is, like, a huge, you know, stacked big name. You know, they were like, let's, like, kind of discover people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and all of us come from that sort of like humble place and so we're just so jazzed to be on set like there's not one of us that's like you know oh, okay where's the next thing like there's none none of that yeah and um we all love our characters and we all feel honored like pretty much by yeah. by uh the writing and so i mean it just it's just like you know i like i said i'm a comedian who is lucky like it just it just was um, the stars really aligned.
0: Okay, so we do this thing on the show called the Slow Round, and it's all about sort of like memories and things that sort of stick with you. Do you have a do you have a, a smell memory from like childhood that's like really good or really bad?
1: Oh, um,
0: I mean, define
1: childhood.
0: Uh, any, anywhere through, like, you know, 20.
1: Okay. Um, you know, my favorite smell is uh, I'm from Los Angeles, and when, I, when I'm in rush hour traffic and I'm on the freeway, there is a specific concoction of smog and marijuana. <laughs> oh, my God. That, <laughs> I mean, I just fucking... <clears throat> Yeah, oh, I take that into my lungs and I, you know, say a prayer because it's, it's, it's like so familiar to me um, <laughs> because I've been in rush hour traffic a lot over, over the course of my life. And I have, you know, been around marijuana a lot over the course of my life. And so the two, yeah, it does smell like home, you know? It's so
0: funny because Sterling Harjo and Jim Gaffigan both on this show brought up cigarette smoke. And it's just so funny how, like, these—and I have pipe smoke from my childhood. It's so funny oh, how yeah. these smells that, like, you don't think of as, like, super positive smells, like, can have really good associations.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, like, you know, when somebody's blowing smoke, there's a difference between smoke coming out of someone's lungs and smoke that is sort of— uh coming from the whatever, you know, a cigarette or a pipe or whatever, like, it is a toasty kind of um, roasted scent that is not always disgusting. Like, cigarette smoke smells bad on your hands, but not when it's a leaf burning, you know? And that's a quick ad for cigarettes, guys. So definitely, (laughs) (laughs) definitely pop out, get a carton, you know, definitely start. Your character
0: was smoking in one of the episodes and I thought like, (laughs) I thought like, I hope she's using the fake cigarettes on that one.
1: Oh, yeah, I did. I asked for real
0: ones, but you know. You can't do it though because I was doing a scene once with a real smoker and even he was like, don't do the real cigarettes because you get into like, 13 14 yeah. takes of this thing uh-huh. and it'll it'll really fuck you up.
1: Yeah, I was I was take I was going up to the pro master getting a fake cigarette for my break. I was like, "Hey, can I take one of these for the road?" Yeah, like yeah. I I feel like I do have kind of iron iron lungs, but that's just probably that's probably a cocky thing that I'm saying now and then if I tried to do it, I would probably pass away and truly die. It's a very on,
0: bold proclamation.
1: <laughs>
0: the, uh, do you have a memory on a loop from your childhood that, that just like pops in your brain every now and then?
1: Um, you know, it's funny. I don't have a ton of memories from my childhood. Um, I, uh, like I, I'm constantly racking my brain to find something, but most of like my earliest memory is of a nightmare that I had. Like a recurring nightmare. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. um, It's like uh, I'm in the backyard and a hole opens up in in the side of our house. And I'm being sucked into the hole um, in the side of the house. And, you know, I'm digging my fingers into the grass and I'm trying to crawl out of the force that's pulling me in. And I'm screaming for my mom. And she's in a conversation with, like, three or four people. Um, and she looks back at me and sees me. And then she turns around and and turns her back and then i'm sucked into the hole and i wake up and i think the first time i had that dream i was like 5 or something um
0: so so that seems like sort of meaningless that dream like it doesn't seem like yeah. it has eh? any
1: <laughs> no totally no 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 through line no weird <laughs> but that's like so classic like attachment <laughs> shit you know yeah. cuz 5 is where you're like you're you're not y- you know that's where you go to school and it's like all right i'll see you <laughs> I Get a, on the bus. I
0: always get embarrassed when I explain dreams to people where, like, it's so clearly, like, a one-act play of symbolism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woo, yeah. Yeah. Mine tend to be vivid and cohesive and, like, it's not like I was at, you know— I was at the store and the shopkeeper was an octopus. It's never like anything random. It's always like very fucking clear and uh a very clear expression of whatever my subconscious or unconscious rather is um struggling with.
0: Yeah, so for me it's always like I was trying to catch the bus and then I couldn't catch the bus and as the bus drove away I realized the bus was my dad's pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you think my dad's pants means
1: (laughs) that's pretty standard I I hear that I feel that What? by the way mom I know you're listening and it's not you were great okay yeah don't don't read into that oh
0: and you were great in that dream too
1: you were great in that dream the performance that you gave I mean I watched it over and over you know (laughs) it did come back and back and back (laughs) Um, yeah.
0: What do you, what, what's a skill that you have that people don't know about you?
1: Well, I'm, you know, I'm a total show pony. So if there's something <laughs> I got, you know about it.
0: Okay. <laughs> is that true?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not keeping any of this for myself. Uh, you know, they say you, they say you, you make a deal with the devil and that's, it's not actually the devil, but it is the, the, the audience. And you say, well, whatever I got, it's yours. Yeah. Um, but I would say, uh, my 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 most cherished skill <laughs> is mixology not with alcohol but with various teas
0: oh my gosh really
1: and drinks how, yes
0: how did I, we not lead with this <laughs> <laughs> you buried the, you buried the lead <laughs> you mix teas
1: i do well then well then um, there's
0: the clickbait right there <laughs> this thing's going to go viral
1: Oh yeah, I'm going to start a, a goddamn channel. It's going to be a whole thing. That's if yeah, that's that's my fallback and also kind of a passion. I used to work at a I used to be a barista at a oh, tea room.
0: There you go.
1: And um a man named Jordan Harden who is a wonderful uh he was our beverage director there. He and I um and the rest of uh my coworkers, we were always mixing something up you know um always talking about you know acid versus fat what oh, are we wow. doing you know various levels of uh you know tea tea mixology going on and so i love i love to um you know play with that it's fun i like to do that for my friends i like to do it for myself um you know
0: so you it's so funny cuz you were saying that thing about your memory, how you don't have a lot of memories. And I was remembering that I I heard you on Conan's podcast, which I love, Mm. and that episode Mm. I highly recommend to people, where you're talking about that exact thing, where you have, like, a period of your life where you don't remember uh, the specific instances. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what that, like, is when you try to recall in that space of time whether it's like age 10 through 15 or whatever it is like what what is there
1: uh it's like i i would have to sit down and look through documents to see both photos of myself to see you know like where i w- you know where i was in school like i would need I would need various triggers to even understand yes. what, where and when I was because, you know, I, I don't even, I mean, 10, what grade is that?
0: Right, like fifth? 10, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that would be fifth grade, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. Um, I do the same thing, by the way. I I use documentation. I look at photos of, you know, because I write tons of autobiographical stuff and it's like a lot of it is looking at pictures and looking at my calendar, like literally, like my iCal, oh, wow. and just being like, "Oh yeah, I was touring in Cincinnati that week, and I went to yeah. this hamburger place that people told me that I had holiday to go Inn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but a lot of it is like the autobiographical storytelling. I feel like is in the vein of like you're a reporter of yourself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so you're like collecting clues the same way you collect clues about someone else but it's for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like I I feel like the only almost the only things that I do talk about autobiographically exist within the past, you know, maybe 5 years. Yeah. And so that I have more of a grasp on. Yeah. Um and really like I'm going forward you know autobiographically so everything will will revolve around the present moment and on um so that that is helpful
0: so the, these are this is the part of the show where you sort of work out new and unrefined material i have a bunch of stuff i and you're welcome to share as well if you have anything um great the um this is this is sort of a riff on something that was in the version of the show that you saw but you this is like a new line, which is, you know, I do this whole thing about how my family doesn't say I love you. They basically just say, like, <laughs> take, take care, you know, which yes, is not, which is not the this. same. And then I was trying to think about, like, I, the I love you, who I say I love you to in my, in my life and who I don't say I love you to and all this kind of stuff. And I wrote, my wife and I say I love you, but we, well, we also say things like, are you talking to me? I literally can't tell. I'm in another room and the door is closed. <laughs> So, we say that too. Is that the same? Yeah, that's sort of the, that's all I have. Right,
1: right. Like, it's, um, like, that is a statement that comes from the place of wanting to hear the other person, which is love. Oh, I like Um, that. That's excellent. So, then the question becomes, what are other examples of, of, like, of, of things that have nothing to do with, like, not even close to I love you, but come from that similar core.
0: Yeah, the other one I wrote the other day was take care. Oh, my family doesn't say I love you. We say take care, which is, um, first of all, it doesn't have the word love in it. And uh, yeah. second of all is sort of a command. <laughs> yeah, It's like, yes. oh, actually, you know what? Not only am I not going to say I love you, I'd like you to do something for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, Yes. And take care is not even specific to you. It could be of a water bill. It could be of, you know, yes. a, various other appointments. Of a water
0: bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> take care, because, you know, you got that, you know, you got your physical coming up. So.
0: And, then, um, and then I have one other one that I wrote this week, which is I have an iPhone and an Apple Watch and a MacBook laptop, and they all basically do the same thing on different parts of my body. <laughs> One day my Apple Watch started doing a mysterious countdown from 10. It just goes 10, 9, 8 and I just pressed every button. I had no idea what this meant or how to stop it at the end of 10 seconds, and I'm not making this up. It called the police. <laughs> and they came to my house, and that's when that's when I knew the war between humans and machines had begun my watch called the human police on me. And I tried calling human tech support, and they laughed at me because they had clearly changed alliances.
1: Oh, my God. That is both a joke and a spooky story. It's a spooky story, right? I also love the idea of your Apple Watch um, on a witness stand in a courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) Testifying against you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> your your lawyer is you know an iPod Nano. Oh my gosh! The list goes on. You know, oh, filling out the courtroom, that. the jury. You know, playing with that world.
0: Um, Siri, are you taking
1: dictation of this? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah. It is weird, right? Though, like the the devices are getting so smart. Mm-hmm. This first occurred to me like a few years ago. I was I was in London doing a show and Daniel Kitson, who's like a comedian, one of the comedians I admire most, he just, he shows me on his phone. He goes, look at this. He goes, he goes, and he dictated into his phone like a few sentences. And he's like, translate into German. And then he like showed it to me and it was like in German. And I was like, what the fuck? Like it was like one of the strangest things I'd ever seen and and but now we're living like in that like full full blown
1: oh yeah i mean i I worked at a like when I worked at the tea room, there would be it was a big tourist spot, and people would talk into their phone and then press like sort of the you know the volume button and it would translate into English, and that's how I would communicate with them and have a full conversation through their their phone, you know wow. that's like a very
0: oh my god, common,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, the actor who plays Jean Smart's uh, CEO of her company always does the oh, yes. dictation. You make fun of his character for using, being the only person who uses the dictation on the phone. But I'm watching it, and I'm like, I do that. I use oh, the dictation on the phone. you know
1: I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know I do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. In the car? Forget yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like... Do you know that story about the um, the robot who traveled cross country? No, there was a robot that was like the uh, this ambassador for peace,
0: right? Of um, course, yeah. and he
1: went from state to state, and he was because you know his how robots tractor. feel about peace. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I mean all about it. It's it's uh, the most logical form of uh, yeah. discourse. Well, they've Peaceful.
0: heard it's great in books.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And They're reading them, and you know, yeah, they're yeah. reading
0: them. They read what wa- uh, they read War and Peace, and they liked peace. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, they sided with peace. We were like, Okay, you guys take peace, we're gonna do war. <laughs> okay, <sighs> um, this robot travels on his little, you know, conveyor belt, sure, feet. Uh all over the country, and everybody gives it a little, oh, hello, robot. I'm gonna give you a little sign. I'm gonna give you a little flower. Sure. Here's a little heart, you know, here's a chocolate, whatever. Oh gosh, People yes. drop things with you know in the robot's hands. And um, it got to Philadelphia and they beat the shit out oh of it. Oh my
0: god, really? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. gotta be kidding me.
1: Yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, it uh that's like my favorite Philly uh yeah. Anecdote. But I mean, you know, I, I see in LA, I see those robots. I see like they have, I don't know if it's Amazon or Postmates or whatever, but yeah. it's like I see them walking down the street. Like I already really? see. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike, there are fully messengers out here. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. They have goods in their trunks and they pedal to the metal around town no and hu- they wait at the crosswalk. No human. No human. Alone.
0: You're, you're blowing my mind right now.
1: I'm telling you. This is, they is not a video you
0: saw that someone doctored. This nope. is a real my thing eyes. you've witnessed.
1: Two eyes. These but you, ones. But you have my robot head. eyes, right? Well, yeah. No, that's the new... I have the robot eyes 19 from Apple. <laughs> yeah. X so th- plus. plus.
0: So there's no way to trust that necessarily.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I swear
0: to God. Oh, you have 19x. Oh, that's interesting. because yeah. Well, the update, the update I thought on that was buggy. It makes you blind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, but I, only when you're sleeping. So it's oh, like, right, right, right. That's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, they're fully robots. Yeah, they're they're out um, here, hundred percent.
0: The um. Yeah, no, I liked the 19x uh, robotic eyes, but then the update makes you into a an evil demon when you sleep, and I thought that that was a weird Mm. byproduct of the whole thing.
1: Well, with the dreams I'm having, probably not going to be a problem. (laughs) Sort of a (laughs) one-to-one.
0: Working It Out is sponsored in part by Amazon Studios presenting Being the Ricardos. This is a movie that I actually just watched, on Prime last night, and I loved, I was actually up till like 1.30 in the morning watching it. I couldn't stop watching it. It's behind the scenes of I Love Lucy, which is a show I loved, It's it, but it's a biopic. It's you know, Lucille Ball is played by Nicole Kidman. Desi Arnaz is played by Javier Bardem. It's it's all this stuff that is directed and written by Aaron Sorkin, who I love. I actually just watched Moneyball again last week, uh, which he wrote is so good. Um, it's just, you know, look, everyone knows, like, I Love Lucy's is a groundbreaking sitcom. It sort of takes you into the writer's room behind the scenes. It features this all-star cast, J.K. Simmons, alias Shokat, who I love, Tony Hale, who I love. Like, so many great actors. It's been nominated for three Critics' Choice Awards for Best Original Screenplay, Aaron Sorkin, Best Actress, Nicole Kidman, Best Supporting Actor, J.K. Simmons, uh, getting rave reviews, streaming now on Prime Video, and I couldn't recommend it more highly myself. Working It Out is also sponsored by Noom. Uh, Noom is like, you know, it's like an app that I have on my phone. And uh, it's all about just sort of uh, tracking what you're eating and your exercise. Uh, I talk a lot about cognitive therapy on the show, and, and I find it to be very effective, you know, to sort of write down what you're eating, what you're doing. And so uh, I, I really enjoy it. Unlike other restrictive diets or workout programs, Noom Weight uses psychology to empower you with practical knowledge and skills you need to build smarter, more sustainable long-term habits and behaviors. Their psychology approach is based on scientifically proven principles like cognitive behavioral therapy, which helps people better understand their relationship with food and why they eat the way they do. Sign up for your trial and get psychology-based support and motivation to reach your goals at Noom.com perbigs. That's n o o m. dot slash to sign up for your trial. Do you have any jokes you're working on? Kick
1: around. You know, I have. I have a couple. Um, I'll give you an option.
0: Sure. And Let's you tell it. me
1: what what it's calls it. upon your heartstrings. Um, uh, one joke is I've been trying to write my last will and testament. Um, but funny. Uh, so, uh, like I, I have a draft of it here. Um,
0: Do you, you can read it if you want to You don't have to, but you're more than welcome to.
1: Okay. Um, I, Hannah Einbinder, declare this document to be my last will and, will and testament. Well... Looks like I'm not a hypochondriac after <laughs> all, am I, Steven? That <laughs> you feel pretty fucking stupid now, don't you? You owe me $50, bitch. Because I can no longer claim what you owe, I would like you to instead donate the $50 in my name to your ass. Shove it up your ass, Steven. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I don't have much money to give away in this thing. And if you're upset by that, then baby joke's on you for loving a fucking clown. First, <laughs> I leave a sum <laughs> of $500 to my acquaintance, Donnie Sixes Monterelli. There was once a man who came into the coffee shop I worked at named Mr. Palmer. I asked him if he wanted his latte sweetened. He told me he did and that he wanted me to stick my finger in it to make it sweet. When I handed him the drink, he took my wrist and dipped my finger in the coffee. Donnie, pay him a visit, will you? What's that oh saying? Gosh. An eye for an eye? Well, I want a finger. Oh my God. As far as my body goes, I'd like to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. I had so many cool tattoo ideas when I was alive that I <laughs> didn't get for this reason. But if the Jewish cemetery is too expensive, I would like you to tattoo on the bottom of my foot the words, keep refrigerated, followed by expires and the date of my death. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I direct that the chairs at my funeral be rigged with whoopee cushions so that when the rabbi says, you may be seated, everyone laughs and thinks to themselves, she got me, that dead bitch got me."
0: This is great.
1: It's, uh, it's like I've been writing this for probably three years, and this is like the, it's had so many, like I had a line in it, I used to have a line in, in it that was like, uh, I would like for my body to be donated to science because scientists are hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> there like there are various uh, um there've been like 18 different versions but like I think what I
0: like most about it is well I have a thing about writing my will in the show and a lot of it has to do with it's a very different very different type of piece uh, because it's a it's literally about writing my will and hiring a person to come over and work with my wife and me because I have all these pre-existing conditions and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and I have a daughter, and that's a whole thing. When you have a child, your will becomes a whole thing. But I love your piece because it's like a vessel through which to do all of this really mm-hmm. autobiographical kind of observational humor in a way that I've never heard before. And it's like, I think it's awesome. It, it's almost like it reminds me of like a... I don't know, like a Zadie Smith or David Sedaris comedic essay, Mm. except in the form of of like stand-up. I love it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Okay, I have one that's very silly to to share with you. Um, I love nature, but not in like a cute way, in like a deep sea fish taxidermy way. (laughs) Like to me... Ocean floor fish are the alcoholics of the sea. Like <laughs> millions of years ago, all the other fish were like, Hey, Tina, Mark, thank you guys so much for having us. This was awesome. We're gonna um we're gonna swim up and evolve now. And all the like slack jawed razor-toothed light bulb angler fish were like, I think I'm gonna stick around. You guys got twister? Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Because there are so many fish who live at the bottom of the ocean who don't have eyes because they're just like, oh, I don't need eyes. Like they evolved to not have eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Who needs them? And I just like the, I don't know, anthropomorphization is like my favorite fun uh, thing. And so I kind of want to cast um, (laughs) various deep sea
0: fish versus regular (laughs) fish. Yeah. Yeah. I have one on that, which is like, well, I was going to just say, like, when you're saying, like, oh, you're going to go up there or whatever, it's like, it's like, oh, you're getting your, uh, you're, you know, you're receiving heat from the sun. We're going to go with core of the earth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, we saw some, we saw some, uh, we were feeling some core of the earth vibes down there. And so we're going to go with that, I think.
1: Yeah, there's also something to, like, literal rock bottom. Yes. Being home.
0: I think my wife Jen and I talk about deep sea, the deep sea fish that you're discussing constantly, uh, because we feel like uh, it's definitely, and this is not a joke, it's just real. It's like... If you spend enough time watching those documentaries about the deep sea fish, which are we're really only privy to in, like, the last decade or so because we've only been able to get cameras down there in the last, mm-hmm. whatever, 10, 20 years, it, it, they're aliens. Like, yep. look no further for the aliens.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Um, they're uh, nothing like us or the other fish.
1: Yeah, but guess what's fucked up? is that those are our cousins.
0: Yeah, totally. The truth
1: is. That's our extended like, family. A hundred percent. We've all got that, that yes. in law. Am I right, folks? You know, <laughs> it's very that. <laughs> 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 like, that is, I, I, I can't, like, I feel like I walk around with my mind just, like, in this constant state of, like, explosion just over these things that we're all, like, meant to accept. Yes. Like, truly. Truly, fish walked out of the ocean. Yes. And became what we are now. That's right. Are you kidding me? And yeah. we're just moving on? Yeah,
0: we're just moving on. Yeah, no, no. We're just no. having
1: iPhones? Like, I, I know it sounds ridiculous and so stonery, but like, I just...
0: Right. It's like, there's headlines about some celebrity having a baby. Well, scratch <laughs> that headline. There's fish with no eyes that get energy from the core of the earth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Mike. God damn it! It's
0: like that should be the headline of every Us Week. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: In the news today, aliens still at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally. No
1: eyes, no teeth, no brain. Yeah. And older than all of us, and will be here long after we're dead. Scientologists were right all along. <laughs> now here's Jerry with the weather. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> No,
0: I mean the the deep sea fish. You literally could could paper over every news story all day every day with just the deep sea fish.
1: To think that there that we have only explored something like ten percent of the ocean.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What?
0: Yeah, but we've destroyed eighty percent. So <laughs> we don't. We there's a. There's a negative equation in terms of how much we're even gonna get to see.
1: (gasps) Oh oh
0: my God. Well, let me see if I can find anything that's in my notebook here that's like new and like has a chance at making it into the show somewhere. Okay, this happened this weekend. I parked my car at this hotel and I went to in in the valet. And when I went to pick up the car, it, it was like Sunday morning, it took like an hour and a half. Because everyone checked out at the same time. It was like one of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I was annoyed. I'm human. But then there's one couple that was furious. And it was just me and them for a while. And finally, their car showed up. And the wife said to the husband, we are not tipping. And I feel like she really sort of misunderstood who was at fault in the situation. It's not the valet person's fault that there's not enough valet people hired for the amount of cars. It's almost like they're people are always trying to find someone to be accountable for their own unhappiness. Mm. Um, that's literally the whole joke. It's literally yes. just a, it's just a notebook observation. Um, But then I wrote this one down, too, and it's sort of—I think it's somewhat related, but maybe not. I was in my neighborhood, and I was crossing the street because there was standstill traffic, even though it was a green light. So I was definitely in the wrong, but this guy in in traffic is stuck there, and he has his window open. He didn't didn't yell at me. He didn't curse. He just goes, real genius. (laughs) And I thought, this man has been victorious in this interaction. Because he's not wrong. I'm not a real genius, and that's just not the smartest thing I could be doing. Sometimes in life, someone says something to you that's less than friendly, and it's right on the money.
1: <laughs> it sounds like that is the attitude that the valet lady needs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I I wonder if it is like a a big and something you'll learn about me is that I'm always going to suggest a big monologue. But I wonder if the valet lady, (laughs) I wonder if it's like, okay, well, let's actually trace this back. And it's, (laughs) let's actually, no, you want to go, oh, you want to not tip. Okay, that's fine. Let's actually trace you not tipping back. And you like go through her whole fucking life. And you go through that lunch and you go through, you know, you embellish, embellish, embellish all of these various sort of this journey for her. And it ends up being her the whole time. And it's like this thing. Like, I wonder if that's a route to go. And at
0: the end of that long embellishment, I could go real genius.
1: Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Woo!
0: I think that's funny. Hell yeah. I think that's funny. Hell
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just tying those two? Yeah, yeah. I love that.
0: I'll, I'll sneak one last joke in which is um, I, w- I walked up to a urinal and the guy next to me was texting on his phone while he was peeing. And I thought, do you have to do that? And so I look it up on my phone while I'm peeing and it turns out, turns out you don't have to, but often people do.
1: <laughs> so the guy next to me... <laughs> I want 19 urinals, Mike, okay? Heighten, 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 heighten. <laughs> <laughs> oh I funny. love that. That joke that joke kind of reminds me of something that I um once did which is like um being 25 is all about proclaiming who you are and who you are not. Yeah. But I'm mature for my age, so I don't do that.
0: That's very funny. We're all just walking contradictions.
1: We're all just walking deep sea fish, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, we're walking I mean, deep sea fish clearly. I am we're, so happy to hear you say that. We're
0: eyeless deep sea fish, oh, staring without our eyes at our iPhone 19s.
1: <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> he wrapped it up, baby. That's a bow. That's a present. You know, if you want more, there's there's not much we can do for you. This
0: episode is going deep sea fishing
1: and skiing. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: We close it out with, a, with a, a, a nonprofit that the guest is appreciating the work they're doing. And then I will donate to them. I'll link to them in the show notes. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, who are you thinking of today?
1: Today, I am uh, thinking of the Trevor Project, which is um, the largest uh, suicide hotline for LGBTQ youth. Um, very important. Org, very important service, especially as we have seen uh, as of late that various um, suicide hotlines for queer kids in uh, the South have been uh, blocked. Um, these websites are uh, hard to get to now for various kids. And so the Trevor Project is ever more uh, important today. That's, I think so. that,
0: that's fantastic. It's... um. The uh, so I'm gonna donate to them and then I'm gonna link to them in the show notes and uh, and Hannah this is such a joy I wish we could work out jokes seven days a week because this is one of the most productive joke writing sessions I've ever had
1: no yeah yeah it is no way
0: pound for pound the the rate of of growth uh, the rate of progress on jokes is so slow and I feel like we got we got some places fast.
1: Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I feel like there's a certain degree of, like, cool math to them. Yeah. To what we do. And so um, I do love it. And I I feel the same, and I'm so stoked to be here.
0: Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, we're math joke nerds. I think that's a good way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, we're funky
0: mathematicians.
1: Working it out, because it's not done.
0: We're working it out. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out out with Hannah Einbinder. You can follow Hannah. I'm going to spell this. This is like verbibliate. verbibliate. You have to spell it. Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H-E-I-N-B-I-N-D-E-R on Instagram. Um, I follow her. I think, I just think she's a riot. I think she's a wild talent. And I think... You know, watch Hacks. If you haven't watched it already, watch it now and just follow what she does next. She's just a fantastically funny and and fascinating person. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Verbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, sound recordist, Parker Lyons, associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks as always to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. They're playing Red Rocks. They just announced it. They're pla- they sold out Red Rocks in Colorado. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet Jay Hopestein. Our book is called The New One. It is comedy and poetry mixed together. It's at your local bookstore. we got to support our local bookstores. As always, a special thanks to our daughter, Una, who created my original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened to this podcast. Maybe you found it this month with John Green or Hannah Einbinder. Maybe you found it all the way back in June of 2020 with Ira Glass and Hannah Gadsby and John Mullaney. We can't thank you enough. Thank you for a great 2021. We're gonna do even more in 2022. 2022 is hard to say, I'm sorry. We're gonna do even more in 2022. So do me a favor, tell your friends. You know what, Go. if you wanna take it a step further, tell your enemies. They don't wanna hear about it, you tell them anyway. We're working it out.